Blue Chip Sports Network presents Get in the Game with Eric, Brian, Reggie, and Jordan on iTunes, the Blue Chip Broadcasting YouTube channel, and BlueChipBroadcasting.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 85 of Get in the Game. Uh, we've got the entire crew here tonight, all the way from Jordan Santa Maria, Reggie Wright, and Brian Nelson, who's off on assignment in beautiful Never Neverland. And of course, me, Biggie, I am here with you, and we are going to talk sports tonight in episode 85. And, you know, gentlemen, I, 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 I'm, I'm not getting used to this at all. I'd rather be sitting with you uh, and talking than doing it over you know, a zoom the way we have to, but, uh, well, it, you know, it's not, it sounds like Brian needs help finding his shadow. He's in Neverland. He's in <laughs> Eric. I mean, my goodness, watch out for captain hook, Brian. <laughs> Where's Peter Pan when I need him? No, no. Captain <laughs> hooks right outside his door and that sunset that he's looking at is stinking beautiful. So yeah, <laughs> it never, you know, never happens here. I guess the only thing worse than being scared of a, Go ahead, Jordan. I said the only thing worse than being scared of Captain Hook is is not having AC, Reg, because I've been four days <laughs> and I'm and I'm sweating right now. Like, and that may be that may be the best reason. Just in the Central Valley, and Jordan has no air conditioning. <laughs> that that may be say, the sole reason why doing it on Zoom tonight is a good idea is to you know, not have to sit next to Jordan. Uh, well, I don't have air conditioning either right now. Shut up. <laughs> God. What, geez, what what a little shot right there, man. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think we're gonna talk about boxing tonight. Not man, cool. On, hey, since on, I'm guys. in charge tonight, can I just can I blot him out or something? I, I don't hey. know. <laughs> oh, hey, I showed geez. you nice pictures of everything. So let's get this thing started and, and let's talk a little bit about some of the big news in sports this week. And uh, one of the things that just jumped off the page to me because he's as old as I am is Mike Tyson getting back in the ring against Roy Jones Jr. Both these guys are about 30 years past their prime or more. Uh, hey, Eric, I know going they're on? your age, but uh, the body and the, you know, the physicality is way different. Careful. I'm just saying, Eric. Careful. I've lost almost <laughs> 20. You be careful. Well, Okay, so, you know, like, obviously, the entire world has been in quarantine, as the United States especially, for a significant amount of time now. Um, you know, people are finding new ways to keep themselves entertained. And one of the things that's popped up around rest homes and, uh, you know, uh, old folks' places uh, around the country is boxing. You guys haven't heard of this? Fight Club. <laughs> so it's like the recreational thing to do at, like, you know, Covenant Village and all those, uh, you know, all the, all the rest homes around, around town – Get, get a couple of 70-year-old guys in the ring and just have them duke it out, you know? Uh, ne- hey, hey, Reg, Nothing can go wrong guys. there. Reg, yeah, don't be gender biased. We can, get, we can get some 75-year-old ladies, too, that can put on just as good a show. Hey, yeah, that's right, man. That's, uh, you know, so, so I'm sure Mike Tyson heard of this and said, you know what, why not me? I mean, he's just sitting around petting his tigers all day. Why well, not me? Oh. Hey, hey, look, hear me out, though, guys. Hear me out, though. I, I, I know it's a joke and, you know, it's all funny. But seriously, if you guys have seen the videos of Mike Tyson training right now, like, you wouldn't think he was as old as he is. I mean, that guy is studying the pads right now. I mean, he is looking good. He's looking sharp. I'm just saying, I, I'm just saying, if he knocks out Roy Jones Jr. like round one or two, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he called out some young buck and was just like, hey, like, it's quarantine. 
I'm going to make some money. People are going to buy it. Like I'd buy a fight with him and Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua. Why not? You, you, you okay. heard it here first from Jordan Santa Maria, Mike Tyson, the next heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> How great would that be? Nine. So, okay, be so Jordan, are you gonna, Jordan, are you going to pay the forty nine ninety nine? Oh, to watch him sure. and June, Roy Jones Jr. for eight rounds? For sure. Play patty cake. I don't think it's going to be buying patty it, cake. Jordan. I'm just saying. I am, I am not buying it. Reggie, are you buying it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Mike Tyson will be able to put anybody on their back until he's, you know, 90 years old. That dude, I wouldn't mess with a picture of Mike Tyson. Look at I, I think that he'll be able to take anybody on. I I believe it. He's got nothing to lose. You know, like he kind of started a second career as an actor. Nobody's filming any movies right now. What else is he going to do? The guy's oh, really, you, are you going to put that menace back in a ring where he can bite somebody else's ears? Why not? Hey, Why I want to see if, if, Hey, Eric, you remember Pictures this because you and I are old. Remember when they used to wear the, the earmuffs, the boxers? Well, they do still the, in, in, in amateur boxing. In amateur boxing, they would put the, the thing over their ears to protect him, I if I'm Roy Jones Jr., I'm going to go find one of those things I think and put that on my head. Yeah, he negotiated um, it into his contract. Imagine how much that would be trending if he bit Roy Jones Jr. in the ear. Like the Twitter wasn't even happening back then, or Instagram, or no social <laughs> media. Like, imagine the media chaos if he does that. Like that would just be insane. That'd be ridiculous. They might start to think he might have a problem. <laughs> oh, get in trouble for not social distancing. Oh. Uh, all dark alley team hall of fame, Mike Tyson. Oh, oh, yep. I, you know, would you first would, ballot? Would, first ballot. How, would, how would you like to be? How would you like to be his wife and have him nibble on your ear? That's just. I don't know what that's, to think about sometimes, man. Like, whoa. Oh like, man, that's, you. That's, <laughs> that is hey, just Eric? wrong. Eric, do you remember who his wife was? I don't know. I don't think she still is. Do you remember who his wife was? She, yeah, Robin this? Givens. Robin Givens. Not his wife anymore. New. No. Not his wife anymore. Uh, <laughs> I haven't checked her ears lately, so I, I don't know reason. <laughs> but anyway, I you know, I, I will be the first one to tell you I will be entertained by Mike Tyson. Here and here's the thing. I I watched George Foreman make his comeback in his mid-40s, right? And yeah, that he was really good. That was compelling. Because he did do very well. Uh, and maybe maybe Tyson is something different. So, well, he definitely is something different. I mean, Reggie, let, let's picture Reggie with a tattoo on his face. Uh, <laughs> only whoa, Tyson whoa. can pull that off. So, um, here's, here's to, to Mike, go get him, kid. Uh, and, and you know what? I will take him against Roy Jones Jr. I got, I got Tyson. Brian, who do you got? I don't know. I like Roy Jones Jr. He's a boxer. He's, he's, you know, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how physically fit or quick he is anymore, but he's, he was good. He was one of the now, best boxers pound for pound in boxing. Right. And he wasn't a heavyweight, right? So he, he was a he was middleweight. Not, he was not a heavyweight. He, light I think heavyweight. the heaviest he went was light heavyweight. Yeah. Light heavy. Yeah. So there's, yeah, Tyson's got that going for him. Reg, who you got? Uh, I will tell you that Mike Tyson does not lose this fight. He, he doesn't get knocked down. He's not going to lose by points. The only way Mike Tyson loses this fight is if, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he kicks Roy Jones Jr. where the sun don't shine or, like, whips out a chainsaw or 
six one of his tigers on him or something like that. The only way Mike Tyson loses this fight <laughs> is if he gets DQ'd, and that's it. Otherwise, well, it's there's there's ten to one odds that there will be tigers in the ring. That's all I'm saying. So I believe it. You know, yeah, it may happen. Um, okay, let's move. Let's move off of the big man, who, by the way, only lost six fights in his career. We we got to remember that. He, Do you know how many fights Roy Jones Jr. lost? He went sixty six and nine. Tyson was five knockouts. Tyson was fifty and six with two. Um, do not finishes or whatever they call them in boxing, not disqualifications, but they're different. Um, and I looked it up. So yeah. And he had, he now has 44 knockouts in his career. And I will give $10 to Jordan Santa Maria right now. If you can list the five fighters that beat Mike Tyson. Oh, come on. That's not even fair. I wasn't even live. Look, I got one, maybe what Buster Douglas, right? He lost the Buster. It's one. That's all I got, man. I don't uh, know. Uh, oh, oh, Lennox, Lennox Lewis? Yeah, that's two. That's all I got. That's all I got. We lost with Vander. Vander Holyfield. Uh-huh. Twice, I believe, right? Yes, you're absolutely correct. He's that's four losses. Twice. One more? Got two uh, more. Butterbean. If anybody comes up with these <laughs> in the next 10 seconds without looking it up on the intranet... Or asking Google, maybe uh, some Russian guy. Twenty I bucks. No, it was. It's the last couple of fights. He lost his last couple of fights. So a bunch last of two fights in a row. I don't know. Guy by the name no of Danny clue. Williams and Kevin McBride. Yeah, Boom. lose to those guys. That's when he decided. Yeah, I'm done. Anyway, he hasn't fought since 2005. Yeah, there's a little, little ring rust there. That was nine. Yikes. Let's talk a little bit about baseball so far, Brian, and what we have seen so far. Okay, well, I'll jump into that, but quick question, because when we did our baseball preview, episode 87, I know this is 85, we went backwards, but we skipped one. Nobody two. said there would be math on this test. and we No, see, so we're just doing a little negative, negative integer action here. Um, is did anybody he just want say to- negative integer? Yeah. There goes our demographic. <laughs> I struggled. Does not, anybody guys. want to change their World Series pick based upon the fact now that we have sixteen rather than ten teams? Well, and that's going to be that—that's sixteen out of twenty-nine now, and we'll get to that later. But it was going to be sixteen out of thirty. It's now six. twenty-eight, actually. 28. However, however, think about this: what they decided is that it goes by winning percentage. So if the Marlins cannot get back onto the field until the end of September, I don't believe there will be 15 other teams or seven other teams in the National League that will have a better winning percentage than 67%, which the Marlins have right now. Unbelievable. Somehow I don't think they're going to let that happen. I'm just I'm just entire, saying they take the entire 60 game season off to be sick and come back just in time to I get in the playoffs. <laughs> um, but a couple of things away. I think are interesting. Almost had the big well, we had a 
bean ball war, except there was no beaning. It was just thrown over a guy's heads and behind guys, Dodgers and Astros, you know, the uh, three years in waiting after the Astros sign stealing scandal. And the interesting part of that, Eric, is the guy who's doing the bean balling wasn't even playing for the Dodgers three years. He was playing for the Red Sox. Yeah, well, he was cheating at the same time, but he had to make sure he let his teammates know he's a good guy. So, you know, and and I think it was don't don't think that that wasn't by design either. Don't think that Joe Kelly just went up there all on his own and decided to take matters into his own hands. One, Joe Kelly not critical to the bullpen. Two, Joe Kelly wasn't even there uh, when the uh, infraction occurred. And and three, um. He, I lost what three was, but anyway, those first two were good enough. And, and you know, you know, Joe Joe Kelly, man, that guy. Yeah, I don't like the Dodgers, but that guy, he's trying to send a message. Like he was trying to make a statement there. And do you think you that's? A, do you think what he did was okay? I saw it. No, and I'll thing. tell you why. I don't, I don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it's ever okay because throwing that hard and the location where he was throwing it is like that's just. You mean, I mean somebody's that's just melon? Wrong, no matter what. Yeah, exactly. ninety exactly. ninety eight. It is melon. Yeah, yeah, like, like I don't guy, think that's ever okay. 98 in a guy's rear end is a lot different. You don't get up around the head. I don't care what the situation is. That's not okay. I don't think there's it, anybody it, yeah. that would condone that. And it was back-to-back. I mean, right? He threw a Correa almost, too. I mean, he threw Titan in Cor- the whole at-bat. Yeah, Correa, he threw a breaking ball, too, that was inside. Yeah. So I, I didn't have as big a problem with that. But the, 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 the bean ball intended for Bregman – um, and, and I get that they're mad. I mean, everybody in LA feels that they had a title stolen, right? Because of that. But I, I don't know. I can't. I, I can't see, you know, throwing a lethal, using kind of a lethal weapon and throwing it at somebody. I mean, like, what, wasn't wasn't Kelly on the Red Sox? And they lost to the Astros in the LDS that year. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's- I. I think, like, okay, so I know, like, us fans and most level-headed people don't condone it. But I, I guarantee you uh, that probably 80 to 90% of Major League Baseball players are completely fine with it. I, I think that's kind of the, the unwritten rules of baseball that nobody really talks about. They've been around in the game forever if you do something that violates the unwritten rules of the game, whether that be cheating, whether that be, uh, you know, throwing at another team or whatever, you're, you're, there's going to be retaliation of some sort. That's just, I mean, that's been baseball for as long as it's been around. But, but you can't go up above the shoulders. Yeah. You can't. I mean, t- there's a way to do it. I mean, like talk to Bob Feller about that. That was his, that was his calling card. You know, he'd throw, he'd throw chin high you know, right at somebody's nose. And that, that's what made him so scary to a lot of hitters. And, and it wasn't, that wasn't even like re- retaliation or anything. That was just him sending a message and getting guys to back up off the, off the plate. So, I mean, I, I just think it's part of baseball. You know, I understand the danger of it. I don't necessarily like it, but I, I think it's part of baseball. I mean, you Not know. The head. How, how, how long do you guys think it's going to last? Like, you know, like, because in the preseason, you know, they, they caught a couple and they started tallying them up. And now, you know, this was kind of the big one where, you know, the bench is cleared. Nothing crazy happened, thankfully. But I well, mean, I like, I feel of- like a couple more times, like, 
the Astros might just come out and just start like it might be a full out brawl. Like, yeah, but if that happens, you're going to have guys suspended for weeks. Yeah, which might as well be equivalent to months. Yeah, right. And they're right. in trouble anyways. Verlander's out for the year. Um, you know, Garrett Cole's in New York. Their bullpen still isn't very good. Uh, you know, that's a lot of pressure on that offense right now to score a lot of runs every game. And all of a sudden, your best pitcher now is Zach Greinke and Lance McCullers, who missed an entire season. So that's so, that. Houston's got problems. Uh, let me let me ask you guys then. While we're on the topic, you know, we've seen baseball for for a weekend and a couple days now. What's your take on on social distance fighting and social distance arguments with the umpire? You know, we saw uh, the Cubs and the the Brewers last weekend. Uh, you know, they had Yelich hop the fence from the dugout, and they both kind of ruffled their feathers from from their uh, you know perspective baselines. And uh, then, man, I can't remember. I can't remember what game it was, but there was a manager that walked out to argue with the umpire, and he gets you know he he. He's, trots out, you know, and then like once he gets to about 10 feet, they both pause and take out their masks, put them on and then then proceed to carry out the argument, you know, like what, what is, so the question then is this, all that stuff, is that just for show? Is that just like, you know, the argument, the arguing about the calls, arguments with the umpires, is that just kind of a, like, what, what place does that have in baseball in 2020? Well, they're trying to limit it by, you know, if you, you know, if you get up within six feet of an umpire, you're automatically gone and fined. Um, so, and we have seen so much less arguing with umpires now with the replay rule come in that it's not nearly as big of a deal as it was back in the, you know, when Eric and I grew up watching baseball with Earl Weaver kicking dirt on home plate, New Planella throwing bases everywhere. <laughs> You know, Bobby Cox getting thrown out of every other game, it seemed like. I mean, it's a very different situation now than it was then. The players jawing at each other. We have to remember, a lot of these guys play on the same teams for a long period of time. They play on the same teams against each other in the minors, you know. And so whether it's Cubs-Brewers, which has now become a big rivalry because they've both been good for the last few years. Giants, Dodgers, the whole Astros thing. I'll be very curious when the A's play the Astros. Mike Fires, who was the guy who, you know, blew the whistle on everything, who's now pitches for the A's, was on that Astros team. And if there's any team that really has a legitimate gripe with the Astros, it's the A's. Because the A's won 90-plus games in those years the Astros were cheating. You know, people say, well, the Dodgers missed on the World Series. They lost two games at home. They weren't sign-stealing in Dodger Stadium. So, you know, to me, the A's, if anybody's got a bigger gripe than anyone does. So I think that one may be more interesting, and that's going to be ten times, not four times. I think to Jordan's point, I would not be surprised to see them take a shot from every team they play once. Wow. In every because I, I, I think whether other teams were cheating or not, there's there's reason to believe that you know Houston wasn't the only one, but everybody thinks they have the moral high ground in this and are gonna let their pleasure be known because this was a player generated cheating, right? 
it was not systemic from uh, the top of the top of the food chain, but it started with players cheating other players, and I think they take that very seriously. And and my guess is they will be taking shots all year long. I don't think there's any question. I mean, I had had the pandemic not hit, and we'd had all this craziness. It was going to be a long, painful yep. year. And and to be them. frank, with the rosters expanded and sixty guys available, they're going to pick every team will pick their Joe Kelly, the guy that is they can use him, but he's not the crux of their team. And if you get an eight game suspension, so be it. Just take care of business for us, and hopefully they'll do it without aiming for the head. That's that's where it gets a little goofy. Now then, so far there have been a couple of games with the uh, extra inning rule. There have been a couple of games, you know, that you've now seen with Universal DH. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going on on the field? Uh, there are obviously are- there's no thoughts. We're moving on. Hey, 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 I'm just getting there. <laughs> I'm a long ways away right now. I've got, you know, it takes a while for your words to get to where I'm at. Um I would say that I think the pitchers are a little bit ahead of the hitters. We've seen a lot of strikeouts, even more so than normal. Um, And I think it'll be very interesting. The injuries, the pitching injuries are a little elevated for this early in the season because those guys had to ramp up a little quicker. And so, you know, we've already seen some big names go down. Um, And, you know, we'll be interested to see if we have any more guys opting out. Eric, you said that – uh, Mike Trout is headed out on paternity leave. Yep. That'll be a big deal. That's going to really stink for my fantasy team because I was in first place today. That's uh-huh. going to end. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. You know, I, I really don't like the, the, the relief rule um, where they have to face, you know, the, the, the minimum, you know, amount of batters. I just think it, it, it's kind of funky to me, like being a Giants fan and you always saw like Javier Lopez come in as a specialist, like, I kind of like those things. Like those are the kind of matchups pitching wise that I kind of enjoyed. And I feel like, you know, when you force a guy, you know, that has to go against these, you know, like, like a Yankee lineup or something. And now it's like, Oh, you know, maybe I only wanted him to go against, you know, X, Y, and Z. Now you got to go against judge and Stanton. Maybe like it's tough. Like it kind of takes away the strategy to the game a little bit in that, in that way. I, I'm a fan of the DH. I just think that, that that's just me offensively. I like that. And I think that, you know, it's kind of opened up the game to a little more offense and more hitters, but the, the relief minimum pitching rule is just a little weird to me. I understand it, but a little, little funky when I've seen it. You know, it's interesting that you say that Jordan, cause I, um, there's, there's nothing that's more annoying to me than like a pitching change in the fifth inning or the fourth inning where you've got to sit through a commercial break while a guy warms up, you know, whatever, that's boring. But I agree with you in the in the later innings when the game is close. I like to see the strategic matchups come into play. So I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, it's never going to happen, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing the the three batter minimum lifted after like the eighth inning or something like that. When the, in a in a in a game that's like two runs or less or something. I don't, I don't know, but I think. I do enjoy those strategic maneuvers, but everything else that I've seen so far this year, the extra inning stuff, um, you know, and I'm, I'm even one who tends to favor the, the non DH. I would like to see a universal non DH 
Although I am enjoying, um, you know, the potency of every lineup this year. I, I do. I, I have been enjoying the DH. So I do want to push it back on something that you said to me that the strategy ramps up when you know a guy's got to face three guys. I think the strategy is now more critical and you're seeing guys who normally wouldn't be given a chance to pitch against the uh, different side hitters. A guy like Adam Kalarik last year strictly threw against left-handers threw against very few right-handers and got hit badly by the right-handers. So, so far this year in six games, He's made three appearances, which means he has to face, you know, at least nine guys. He is 2-0 and with a couple of strikeouts and only giving up one hit. And you know they're facing him with right-handed – they're bringing in right-handed batters to face him. And so, to me, it's giving a guy like that a chance to show that, hey, I can pitch and and I can get out right-handers. And, and I, I think that this – the mythology of splits and matchups had grown so much that very seldom did you see guys get a chance to compete against the opposite hand. And I'm kind of liking that part. And some guys will rise to the occasion. Some guys won't. Ultimately, Eric, I think it's a game of adjustments, you know, like we've seen the the shift really come to the forefront in the last five or six years where teams will, um, load up one side of their infield or maybe even shift their outfield too against a, a heavy pull hitter, you know, whether it's a righty or lefty. Um, but I think over time, and it's, it's just like you see when rookies break into the league, you know, rookie hitters will learn the pitchers and the pitchers will make the adjustment on the rookie hitter. And then it's up to the, the hitter to make the second, the second adjustment to catch mm-hmm. up to and whatnot. I, I think we just see the continual evolution of the game. Um, like teams are adjusting to the shift. I, I've seen several, uh, several middle of the order hitters, uh, lefties especially, try to lay down bunts. Push I saw bunts. Matt Olson. I saw Matt Olson do it twice. Yep. Yep. So, you know, you, you see adjustments being made. Um, and, you know, whether a pitcher is um, you know, now with the three batter minimum, you know, Eric, you're talking about uh, lefty specialists or righty specialists that come in, they're going to make the adjustments to the opposing handed hitter. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure we'll see a, a readjustment at some point in the near future where, you know, hitters have more even splits against right handed and left handed pitchers. So and then and then, you know, we've got the Pat Vanditties of the world who just kind of switch to whatever hand they want whenever they come into pitch. And we'll probably see more of that as time goes <laughs> and, on. And, so. and he's a, he's a household name because he does it so effectively. <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he's, he's the first, you know, he's <laughs> the, the first guy to do it. I'm sure that, you know, seven year olds everywhere are, are getting uh, amid, ambidextrous gloves. I will tell you the thing I thought was the coolest thing that I saw happen is Chimon Choi, the uh, first baseman for the Rays, who has batted exclusively left-handed. They brought a left-handed pitcher in to face him. He decided he's going to turn around and bat right-handed. Hit a home run. (laughs) (laughs) Not see that. That's awesome. I I did. That's big time. That that would have been something. I I didn't see that one. I even missed that. I have no idea that that even happened. Yeah, that was cool. That happened, I think, on Sunday. So – 
so far it's been, I know that for me personally, it's been good to have baseball back and I have watched some of those games, but here's the question that I, I, I got to get answered. Are those cardboard cutouts helping you uh, with the concept that the ballpark is not empty or, you know, is it something like, <laughs> or, you know, some of the goofy promos that they're doing now where they have fans jumping all over the place. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. That, that might have hey. to be the Instagram post, uh, uh, the little video. We're going to have to save it, Brian. Save, save, save it for the I Instagram. Have, I, I think have it's going to be so great when that you goes up. Send man. me the video, Jordan. Yeah, Brian, share with Trev, us your Big Trev. Trev. Trev, Trev sent me the video. You, you got to tell everybody what, what the deal is and why yeah, I'm giving you such happened. a bad time about this. Okay. Well, the first one we talked about a couple episodes ago in the fact that I had the opportunity to put a cardboard cutout of myself and our son who passed away uh, last fall in Oracle Park for this season so he and I could go to games together virtually. Uh, Brian, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but my wife and I were watching uh, the Padres game last night, and we happened to pick you and Carter out. Uh, over oh, did you really? Of, of right-handed batters, you're just over the right shoulder of a right-handed batter. So when they go in on that close-up, uh, you and Carter are sitting there. We can see you. Oh, that's cool. If you ever, if that happens to get rich, I'm take a pick because with our yeah, if you, you, if you can, can pause it and back it up, we'd love to see that. Thank you. You betcha. And then the second thing is I got invited as a season ticket holder to participate in the TV station that runs the Giants games, NBC Sports Bay Area. They asked myself if I would be part of the fan cam. And so I did a Zoom meeting with my niece, uh, 10-year-old Peyton, and she and I did the fan cam. And the funny part was most people recognize me but they got very confused on who the little redheaded girl was that was with me. <laughs> they knew it wasn't my daughter, either one of my daughters. I don't have any granddaughters that old. And so I had to let them know it was my niece, Peyton. But uh, we had a lot of fun with that. It was very cool. And uh, we've already been on a few times. I guess we're on again tonight because one of the Turlock Journal's uh, reporters actually tweeted out. There you go. That's awesome. Hey, and, and by the way, Peyton oh, is built man. for the fan we are camp. Never, we're never going to be able to fit in the same room with Brian now that he's a TV star. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh, man. I don't know, though. Let's be honest. Peyton stole the show. I mean, yeah, she, well, that's well, true. Thank goodness. She was in there for grind, man. She, she stayed in it through to the end. So that was awesome. Oh, it, was, man. it was a lot of fun. We did it at, at their house. And it was, it was really, they put it, you've seen it. They have a little Giants thing that they were able to put on the television behind. So it, it looked really cool. It was a lot of fun. Well, I tell you what, the, one of the reasons that the stadiums are empty is because of the current health pandemic that we are in. Um, and, and, and nobody's allowed to go to the stadiums and teams have to operate with some significant health things in the designed and, and put in place. And somehow something got a little loose with the Miami Marlins. 19 people tested positive and they have had to suspend their season. And that's at least this week. Uh, they will play no games. That's at least six games off the table. A um, little hard to make up six games, 10% of your season when it's just a 60 game season. So it's really thrown a lot of stuff in, into craziness. 
And for the poor team that was playing them when these people were sick, the Phillies now have tested positive with two guys talking about how contagious uh, this thing can be. So let's talk about the ramifications of that and how do we think this is going to be a one-off and everybody else is going to be great? Do we foresee something else like this coming up? And let's even expand it out there. What does this mean to the NBA, which tipped off tonight inside their uh, bubble, and uh, the NHL, who is playing where most viruses freeze and don't exist, um, or even bigger yet, the gorilla in the room, what's going to happen with the NFL? Eric, I just, uh, you know, if I could kick off this segment, I just, I kind of have two questions or, or kind of two issues that I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on. And I, I want to try not to be like, I, I know that as this thing has played out, it's become very political and I want to try to avoid that. However, uh, <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> well, I mean, th- th- there are two, two issues that, that kind of come to mind for me, right? On, on the one side of the aisle, the fact that baseball is being played in the first place is a little bit dicey. And here you have guys who are supposed to be, uh, you know, you have the NBA who's really going above and beyond and trying to keep these guys in a bubble. Um, and then you have issues like Lou Williams where, you know, they leave and they go to a club or whatever and they get caught. But then they spend 14 days in quarantine before they come back inside the bubble. And you've got the entire league inside of a contained area, right? And they're trying to to minimize the disease in, in that regard. But with Major League Baseball, you've got teams flying from city to city. They're on airplanes. They're out in public. They're not staying in one area. They're, they're rubbing shoulders with people all across. I mean, I guess their region, they're not going, you know, from one side of the country to the other. However, they're going from city to city and there's, there aren't, there are, you know, restrictions, but guys can leave the ballpark and go into the city and then come back. You know, they just have to get their temperature checked when they come back. You know, there's, there's several protocols, but in terms of how we know this, this virus spreads, um, it's, it's relatively loose. And then, you know, you see guys, if you watch the games, you know, I watched Mike Yastrzemski walk off with a home run last night and they kind of did this pseudo social distancing celebration, uh, celebration, uh, when, when guys, you know, met at home plate or whatever, but guys are within six feet of each other and only, you know, a third of them are wearing masks. So, um, precautions are being taken publicly, but then as it plays out, the precautions are very loose, right? So that's one side of the aisle where people may be upset that we're having baseball. But then on the other side of the aisle, if you look at the Miami Marlins situation, you have what, 18 or 19 people associated with the organization test positive. However, they were all healthy enough to be playing a professional sport the night that they tested positive. So how serious is this disease? I don't know. For some, it's very serious. And I don't want to say anything. uh, You know, I'm not making any kind of statement at all. However, it's very interesting to me that that 19 of these guys can test positive, however, play a, a, a professional sport at a very high level um, the same night. So, you know, there's two questions there. Is baseball doing enough to mitigate this disease or is this disease not something that baseball really needs to worry about as much? What are your guys' thoughts? 
Go, go ahead, ahead Brian. Sorry. No, no, go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> I, 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 I was going to say with the, for, for basketball, I think they were just in a, in a more ideal situation where, you know, it wasn't every team that, you know, was, was coming back, right. You know, they can be in the bubble. It's kind of a very, very short and regular season where they're only playing a few games. They're going straight to playoffs. Um, and they can try and contain them in that bubble just because they don't have as many teams. Whereas baseball, um, you know, they took precautions in that, you know, you'd play your division and you're playing the division that's, you know, regionally close to you. Right. So I, I think they're trying to do the best they can. And, and 60 games was kind of what they agreed upon where, you know, maybe if, if they tried to expand that, we wouldn't have had a season at all. Right. Um, so I hope this is kind of a one-off thing like Eric is saying, you know, where, you know, 19 obviously is a tremendous amount. And, you know, you hope that never happens again, but you hope that just happens with the Marlins, but it, it shows how contagious the disease is as well. Right. Because I mean, two people from the team that they were supposed to play and, you know, now you're shut down for a week. So it, it, it's tough. I mean, I think baseball's in a hard spot. I, I think they're trying to do the best they can in the 60 games to try and get baseball in. And so well, and my, my, my response is going to be based on what I've a, a experienced in my personal position that I'm in. We had an individual who had a relative uh, who got sick and then tested positive. And with that relative lived another relative. So they thought that they would just be proactive. This other person wasn't showing any symptoms. This other person wasn't sick, but let's go get them tested as well. So they took them to get tested and lo and behold, the test results come back positive before she was showing any symptoms. But the day after she showed positive, she got sick. She eventually got hospitalized and she passed away within 10 days from that initial um, symptom. And she was perfectly fine when she got tested and she was perfectly fine when they got the positive result back. But the end result was not perfectly fine. And so even though you may feel well enough to do your regular stuff, you've, you've got two or three days before the virus kicks in. And, and one of the things that you got to appreciate about MLB and testing every single day was they got it the first immediately when it showed up in the Marlins team immediately. It wasn't there the day before because they all got tested and all got the results back the day before. But that day they came back, I guarantee you of those 19 people um, today, maybe tomorrow, there's going to be a good chunk of them that don't feel good and could not continue with their regular job. Everybody that I've talked to that has had this, um, that knows it, that has symptoms, has said, look, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to die because of it, but I wouldn't wish this on, on anybody else, and I will therefore wear a mask, social distance, do all of that. If I had a dollar for everybody that came to me after the fact and said, yeah, this was a bad deal, I should have paid attention, I should have done the things that they're asking me to, um, I, I'd, I'd have a bunch of money. Um, so that's my response to, to, to that part. If some people want to go, go that way and I just, it's, it's a real, it's a real deal and it passes so easily. And it's not that it's individually as damaging as some of the viruses that we've had, but it casts such a wide net because it is so easy to pass that uh, even though let's say the death rate percentages are low, that's fine. Except the rate of catching it is so high 
that we are exponentially higher than any other uh, disease that we have just because so many more people catch it. But that that's me trying to play a doctor. I only play one on TV or when I'm at work. And, uh, you know, anyway, Brian. Well, Eric, I, I think when you look at it this way, it's interesting because the Phillies, the first team, and again, it's interesting, both Phillies personnel, not players. So the only players since the season has begun that have tested positive are the Marlins players. So somehow, some way, somebody, whether it be a player, somebody associated with the team, somebody got exposed and brought it in, brought it in. And that's my fear, Jordan, with the NHL and the NBA is it's only going to take one oops. And because you're all in a bubble, there can be a false sense of security almost in a way. And that's my biggest fear for them. Well, and so for the NFL, I want y'all to picture those, those ice games in green Bay. Right. And what do you, what, what sticks out in your mind about those ice games in green Bay? The, you the see air everybody's the mouth, the, breath. You see everybody's breath and how hard they're breathing and how much they're breathing and where they're standing next to each other when they're in their three-point stances and they're breathing. Um, that is going to be so hard to contain. Now, do I want football? I absolutely would love to see football play, but we've got to really take a real hard look at what we're asking for and what we're asking of them because uh, – you know, you just put that picture in your mind and realize that's how it spreads. Ooh, ooh, that's that that's more than a lot of people realize when it's 80 degrees and you don't see that, right? But when it's 30 and you see the breath, you kind of that's a head scratcher. Ooh, do I really want yeah. that? I'm right with you, Eric. And you know, I know the NFL, they're talking about, you know, possibly adding the the face mask part to, you know, where their visor would be or where their where, where, where their guard would be, you know, but I, I really don't think even that can help just because of the, you know, the sheer contact of the game. I mean, there's going to be piles. There's going to be, there's going to be every type of contact you can think of is going to happen in the NFL. Why hasn't anybody thought of this? Okay. We, the NFL is the richest sport in the world. Okay. Why don't they get their teams or their players to play in spacesuits where everything is self-contained they wear health, like full body suits with helmets. Why not? You know, why not? Because, yeah, Eric, you're right. It's, the NFL is the most contact sport out of all of the major sports in the United States. Why can't they just wear full body suits? How come nobody's proposed that? I just made a million dollars, guys. I, I just made a, you know what? We can't post this publicly. Look at Patent this idea. Eric, recording <laughs> tonight, you hold on to that, sir. Because I need to patent this before you let it loose. <laughs> well, here's, I, you know, the ca- the counter, the look, look at. Imagine it. Uh, a space suit with the Washington football team. <laughs> the face mask. So, so that, that's a great idea, but I'm going to, I can one up that because it's much cheaper in the NFL as, as tight as they are, you know, they, they'll go for this. Just put everybody in those rubber sumo suits. Problem solved. Oh, you win. You six win. foot social distance that you can't get inside six feet with those things. And you want to talk about entertaining. Oh, man. You uh, yeah. cars hit think, each other. Think about a goal line stand, right? Like when a guy tries to 
tries to jump over the pile. From from first and goal at the one yard line, all of a sudden first and goal from the twenty five because it comes and rolled twenty four yards backwards. You know, good 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 luck telling that to Lamar Jackson and and Odell Beckham. Yeah, good luck telling it to those guys. Yeah, yeah. Put on the, sumo the, suits. The, Put on the, sumo suits. Their 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 longest pass will be three yards because you just your arms are like this. Anyway, <laughs> hey, thank you guys for listening to episode number eighty five. We've had some fun. We've covered some ground. We talked some baseball, some boxing. We talked some football and basketball. Uh, we just enjoy doing this, and we appreciate you guys that listen. But here, here's the thing. If you listen to it and you like us, tell a friend, somebody else that, that, that may need to uh, uh, blow off some steam, get mad at somebody, so, some people who are stupid and don't know what they're talking about, or have a good time with us as we laugh and we talk about one of the most fun things that we have in life, and that's athletics. So uh, thank you for joining us. Brian, how can they have somebody else jump in with them? Well, you can find us on our website, bluechipbroadcasting.com. Go to the podcast page, and we have all 87 episodes. We went back into episode 85 to kind of finish up our summer radio talk show type series. We've got 87 episodes there for you to enjoy. You can also find us on iTunes. Type in the search bar, get in the game, blue chip. That's two words, blue chip, and you can find us that way. Also, follow us on social media. We have our own Instagram and Twitter pages, and uh, we encourage you to check us out and follow us because uh, this is our content right now. We've got no games to call, and that's not changing probably anytime soon. So uh, we appreciate you sticking with us. We have a lot of fun doing this, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And uh, go ahead, Eric. I, I ran out of words. So, so, Reg, I'm sure not all 87 of those are gold nuggets, but you know, there's some good stuff in those 87 podcasts. So, for Jordan Santa Maria, the kid. You just have to fast forward every time Eric talks. You just fast forward. (laughs) (laughs) And miss the the intellectual delight that I am? (laughs) Come on. Uh, Eric, you got to stop hanging out with your mom, man. (laughs) Of course she's doing all the good stuff. Uh, all right <laughs> that note for santa maria the kid for the professor reggie wright my partner brian nelson my name's eric davis saying good night god bless and remember this no matter where you are no matter what you're doing get in the game you've been listening to get in the game an exclusive presentation of the blue chip sports network get in the game with eric brian reggie and jordan on itunes the blue chip broadcasting youtube channel and blue chip broadcasting.com